0: So we're in our second week of the mixtape series, and I get this question all the time. It's like, why do we always do a relationship series every year? Like, do we really have to talk about this all the time? And the answer is yes, because, and one of the main reasons why is because you guys are are making one of the biggest decisions of your life. It's the second most important relationship in your life next to God. And so we want to make sure you're in the right position to pick the right person, and, and really, we've said this before, just to be as whole as possible when you go into that marriage, because, and, and this is why I need to talk to you ahead of time, is because I've learned this, um, it is impossible, impossible to talk an engaged couple out of getting married, like just about impossible. Um, especially because like once she's seen her dress, like you're done. It's not going to happen. Like she, they see their dress. And really, I, I've seen this so many times. And my dad told me, he, he goes, you just, you can't do it. Even the worst situations, you, you, you can't do it. And even my dad was one of those situations because my dad, when he was 19, decided to get married. And uh, he apparently married this girl that was incredibly hot. And, um, and I say that because seven months later, uh, his parents didn't like her. Um, there was... A little bit of crazy coming out. And uh, seven months into the marriage, she went on vacation with her parents, and he hasn't seen her again to this day. Uh, so, yeah, it was like, uh, you ever seen uh, How I Met Your Mother, like hot crazy scale? Like, apparently a little too crazy. Um, so, <laughs> and so. The next time, what my dad did was when he went to go marry my mom, he actually sent my mom to his parents' house for an entire weekend just to get to talk to them, and went, "All right, is she the right person to marry?" And they said, "They said yes." But even now, like I've I've now done, I think I've done almost 50 wedding ceremonies now, and done a lot of premarital, and I've learned I can't talk anybody out of it. At most, what I do sometimes, and people ask me, they're like, "Why are you marrying them?" I'm like, "Because I hope." when it explodes which it is um, they at least like feel like they can talk to me they they can call the pastor that did their wedding and go hey remember those vows like yeah they're not working and so we can have a conversation we we can talk through those things and so as we get into this like i want you to understand that's the purpose behind this like i want you to to understand what relationships are about i want you to understand what marriage is about like i want you to be able to walk into it before you get to that that, that point where somebody finally goes, oh, wait, this shouldn't happen, but you're so in, you can't say no. And so here's what's so interesting about this entire idea of dating and, and talking about it in church is because there's not a lot about it in the Bible. In fact, there's nothing about dating in the Bible. In fact, when you look at really what they say much about singleness and the idea of what you should and shouldn't do, it's all about sex, right? It's like, don't have sex before marriage. When you're married, don't have sex with anyone you're not married to. And that's kind of the the main thing. And we just see that, and it's gotten kind of old. And I I think the reason why we don't understand is we don't understand the purpose behind it. See, the reason God says don't have sex before marriage is, is what he's saying is this. He goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to connect with this person. Make sure you can connect with this person emotionally, relationally, and spiritually first. He goes, then after that, you can connect physically. But what we've done is we've, we've changed it up. We've, we've decided that the physical is most important. What we've done is we, we try to connect physically first and then as we go along, we see if we can connect emotionally, relationally and spiritually. And, and th- what goes along with that is a little bit of a lie that's happened in culture and it's this lie of sexual compatibility. And this idea that there's, there's certain people only out there that you're sexually compatible with and the truth is that's not true. Um, I'll I'll just go ahead and say this. And truthfully, the reason, like I've heard people say, well, we just, right away, we were sexually compatible. I'm going to say this, and this this is going to sound harsh. I'm just going to be honest, okay? The reason you're sexually compatible with someone is because the person they were having sex with before you liked the same things you do. Okay? So this idea that it's the most important thing. And that's what we look at. I mean, when you look at it, what what does everybody talk about? It's like, we need to make sure we're compatible there. We need to make sure we can have that kiss. Oh, is the chemistry there? Look, if you're attracted to them, the chemistry's there. We don't have to worry about that. But let me just just take an aside real quick, and I should have said this earlier. Um, When we talk about sex... I know this brings up all kinds of emotions. This brings up some of you remembering back in youth group when the youth pastor basically made you feel like if you had sex before marriage, then your marriage wouldn't happen, it wouldn't last, and you're a horrible person. I'm sorry that you felt that way. Um, That is not at all true. I, I do wanna say this. No matter where you are, no matter what your sexual past is, no matter what you've done in the past, whatever it may be, God can heal you, God can move you forward, and you can have an incredible marriage. But... I do want you to understand, I do want you to understand you have a choice in what you walk into your marriage with. And here's what's interesting, here's what's interesting. You wouldn't think this, but both women and men both say they have higher levels of sexual fulfillment in marriage. They actually both say that, and, and here's why. Because when you're married, you can just be honest, right? You're not trying to impress anybody anymore. You're like, well, you chose me, haha. so let's talk right? You can actually tell him, hey, don't do that. Stop doing that. Do this. And he can go, yeah, that was weird. Um, that reminded me of my mom when you said that. Don't say that. <laughs> Let me just say this. People take sex way too seriously, okay? I think so many times in church we've taken it so seriously. We, we put this, this entire thing on it that just so much that even I've seen Christians go into marriage feeling like it's dirty, and that's not true, I, I tell people, if the, you've never laughed during sex because something went wrong, then you're, you're too serious. So let me get into what I'm gonna actually talk about. Here, here's what's happened, and, I, and I, I gotta make people laugh before we go into it, because I'm gonna get really serious in here. Um, I, I think this is the problem that's happened, is in culture and society and in life, we turn sex into a god we've turned sex into this God, and you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why would we do that? Actually, what's crazy is when you look back in the Bible and New Testament times, they had that. Um, In New New Testament times, when you would go to worship the God Baal, you would go into the temple, and you would have sex with a temple prostitute on the altar, and that's the way you would worship them. And so the idea of worshiping sex is not new at all. And the reason I say that is, I mean, just look at everything in our society. I mean, why does every show on HBO or even every show now, I feel like on Netflix or Amazon that they make have to have nudity in it? Like, why is it always over-sexualized? Why is, why does the song WAP exist? (laughs) Have you listened to that song? Like, I don't think my wife would ever listen to it. I'm like, the the line that always gets me is bucket and a mop. (laughs) And my wife's like, she doesn't need a man. She needs... A doctor, but um, <laughs> here, here's why. Though I want to, I want to go through three different points on why I believe we've made sex a god, and why I believe that we are good with sex as a god. Um, because really, what we've do, done with sex is we've exalted it to a place where it can truly take care of a lot of our issues, a lot of our problems, and bring us the things that we we truly need. And so the question is, why has sex become a God? Here's the first point. Because when sex is my God, it makes all my relationships good relationships for a moment. Because when sex is a God, it makes all of my dating relationships good relationships for a moment. Now, I'll tell you this. If you want to feel like you're falling in love, have sex with the person you're dating. If you want to feel like you're in this amazing relationship, if you want to feel like everything's okay, have a lot of sex with the person that you're dating. And here's the problem with that is we do that we have a lot of sex with that person and what we don't realize is what sex does to our mind and what happens every time is this is that when the physical goes ahead of the emotional we don't pay attention to the red flags that we should be seeing we don't see the things and we start to overlook things it's the reason girls it's the reason why so many of you date jerks every time and you're like why do i keep dating a jerk because there's this feeling that you're getting from sex that makes you think that way. It's guys. It's the same thing. It's always the same thing. All guys are jerks. All girls are crazy. Like, why do I keep dating crazy? It's like, because she gives you sex. And it feels like it's okay for a moment. And, and for those of you that are sitting there going, how? No, 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 no. I, I, I've, I've had sex before. It doesn't, it doesn't do that to my body. What, what's great is we understand the science of it now. And I'm gonna go into a little bit of the science just to help you guys understand why I'm talking about it this way. But there's, what happens is this, whenever you have sex, there's a bunch of chemicals that are dumped on your brain. And we've got five of them that we're gonna talk about. The first one is dopamine. This is the attraction and dependency. Here's what, dopamine is literally everything that drives addiction. Um, it causes you to be, become extremely focused. It actually, here's what dopamine does. Dopamine causes you to become dumber the closer you get to whatever releases dopamine. So it's kind of like that thing. You're like, man, why did I sleep with him again? Dopamine. That's what happened. It says the chemical causes each spouse to focus intensely on each other at the exclusion of everything else around them. A release of dopamine is associated with craving and dependency and addiction. So this is the same thing that comes out in addiction, but um, it also produces a healthy attraction between spouses. It's also the chemical associated with mate selection. So here's why I'm saying that. If a whole bunch of dopamine is going through your mind, you automatically see that person as a better mate. They've actually done these experiments in rats, which is just wrong. But what they did is normally, what, what do rats do? It's survival of the fittest. They go for, they want to reproduce with the best male they can find. So what they would do is they take a female rat and put the scrawniest rat in front of it, but they put dopamine in her brain and she would go, that's the person I'm supposed to marry. Well, not marry, rat marry, whatever. <laughs> It actually is associated with that. So when you have dopamine on your brain, you look at that person, you're like, he could be the one, she could be the one. Here's the next one, norepinephrine. It increases memory capacity. This chemical generates exhilaration, increased energy, um, natural adrenaline. It also is linked to memory capacity. Here's what this drug does. It sears into your brain whatever has happened during that time. This is why so many times we can remember so much of sexual experiences but not other things. It literally in our in our brains it takes that photograph of what's going on because because when, what's the one of the biggest parts of sex like our body wants to reproduce and so norepinephrine causes our bodies to remember what caused that to happen and it says we should do that again. See, this is also the problem that happens though, and one of the reasons we talk about we, we don't want to have sex before marriage is because in marriage what happens later on is when you get into when you start having sex sometimes, is the images from the past come back up because that chemical goes on the brain. Here's the next one, testosterone. It's the hormone of sexual desire. This is, this is the, the hormone that makes the guy go, "Yeah, I'm a man." Like that, that's what that is. Like it, it drives sexual desire. It has this well-being for both men and women. And then there's oxytocin. This is the uh, natural tranquilizer. It lowers blood pressure. It blunts sensitivity to pain and stress. This is why everyone feels so good after sex. It's known as the cuddle hormone or the relationship hormone or the love hormone. The reason you feel quote unquote love is because of that. Like the idea of, of love in our brains is oxytocin being flooded into our system. And the last one is serotonin. It's a chemical that's, that's done right after climax, bring on a feeling of calmness, satisfaction, and relief from stress it's literally, they took serotonin and they recreated it to make Prozac, okay? So how, how addictive can that be, right? The, the idea behind it, I need you to understand, like it literally allows us to think we have everything in control, feel okay with what's every, everything is going on and be okay there. And I need you to understand, there's more receptors in your brain for sex than anything else. There's more receptors in your brain for sex than anything else. And that's why it's more addictive than anything else. And actually what they say is this. It's impossible to make good decisions about the person in front of you when you've just had sex. And that's why it's so hard. And that's why you've been in situations where you break up and you end up back together. You break up, but you end up back over their house. You, You think it should end, but then you have sex. And you're like, okay, everything's all right. I mean, it's the reason... Why your friends have been sitting there the whole time going, they're not good for you, but you can't see It's because that's being dumped on your brain over and over again. Now, clinical psychologists say the average amount of time it takes to actually get to know someone, meaning you get past all the fakeness, because we all do that in the first part. We, we say things like, I told my wife I work out all the time. Like, I, I, there's, there's things like, it, it's just not true. And they say it takes about nine months about nine months to actually get to know someone, to actually get to know someone. But the problem is when you have sex, it makes it go much further because you don't pay attention to what's going on. You use it as a way to get, get over fights. I means the reason why couples have break, not breakup sex, that's not the right one. That's not what I meant to say. Um, makeup, thank you. Makeup sex is why, why why that happens. And so here's, here's what I hear all the time though. Okay, so you're going, how? All right, this is getting dumped on my brain every time I have sex. And so here's, here's the question I always get. So what can I do, right? How far is too far? Like, what am I allowed to do? And I just need you to understand, that's the wrong question, okay? Because the moment you make a line is the moment you go up to it. Like how, but what about kissing? Or what about this? Here's what I want you to understand. A- every part of, from kissing, to to oral sex, to sex releases some of that, okay? It releases some of that. And so, and that's why when I hear of people, I'm like, they're like, I'm not sure if we're going out yet. I'm like, have you made out yet? They're like, yes. I'm like, because I've literally, I literally heard a girl say, yeah, he told me that um, he cheated on all of his past girlfriends, but then when we were making out, he kind of bit my lip and I was like, I'll give it a chance. So am I saying, oh, you don't kiss. All Look, I, I always, my thing was neck up. Um, just here up it is a good idea. And when you do that for too long, it's just really hard to stay there. And so what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is this, is that what should we want to do? And here's what's crazy. Even non-Christian counselors, non-Christian scientists will say the same thing. They're Like put this off for as long as you possibly can so you actually get to know the person. So you actually get to know who they are. So you actually get to see who they are without this coming into play. So the question, though, I always get is this. All right, so why would God do this? Seriously, God, like that's a mean trick. Like we're we're staying single and then you made sex. Awesome. And it does this to us. Why would God do that? I think so many times we have this idea when we think of God and we think of sex, it's like God was not like good with sex? Like God hates sex because when it's talked about in church, it's like in sex and God. Uh, and he's so mad about it. Like, like the first time Adam and Eve uh, had sex, God was like, no. And you rolled up newspaper and you hit Adam on the nose. It's like, you don't do that. Like that's not, that's not what happened. I want to give you a what if. What if God knew us better than we know ourselves? What if God knew marriage was going to be incredibly tough? And what if God's like, I'm going to create something that will literally addict them to their spouse. Will literally addict them to their spouse. See, that's what what it is. God's like, man, they're going to go through hard times. They're going to go through tough times. They're going to go through stress and issues and all that. And I would want them to have something that they can come together that not only brings them back together, but literally brings them closer every time they do it. And in that idea, you go, okay, that's the idea. So you understand why this is so, it just doesn't work outside of marriage because what you're doing every single time is you are addicting yourself to someone you're not sure if is the right one yet. Some of you're like, but I know they're the right one. Like nobody's ever said that before and broke up. Right? You're picking the person you wanna spend the rest of your life with. Don't you wanna make sure you actually know who they are? as much as possible. See, 1 Corinthians six eighteen says this way, it says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. You know, it's always interesting, like Jesus stayed in the desert and allowed Satan to tempt him for 40 days. But the Bible says, if you're around sexual sin, literally run away, run away. I get this question every time. And I don't know who started this rumor. It's, it's this idea, do I have to stay friends with my ex? I don't know who started that. Like it's some sort of badge of honor. Like I'm friends with my ex, cool. And, and here's why. If, you, if you're dating somebody and you've had sex with them, why would you wanna hang around with a person that you have a tie to? Why would you wanna hang around with a person that when things get tough, you guys have done something that makes everything better? Why would you wanna hang around with a person that's just gonna bring you right back to where you were before? See, when we put sex in front of everything, not only do we pick the wrong person many times, is we don't even know what we're walking into in marriage. Here's a second thing. When sex is my God, I have access to the most addictive drug in the world. I said that sex is the most addictive drug. And if sex is the most addictive drug, porn is like the pill form. Porn is like the, the, the pill form. It gives you the high. It makes you feel like you are in something. It gives you all the feelings of sex, but with all the issues afterwards. And the reason I say it's a God is because when people feel anxiety, they watch porn. When people feel empty, they watch porn. When people feel lonely, they watch porn. When people feel just not able to sleep, they watch porn. And all the things, what I'm talking about, all the things that we should be taking to God are things that we use porn for. All the things that we should be dealing with beforehand, we're using porn for. And what porn does is it takes this this sacred thing between a husband and a wife this act that's supposed to mean to bring them together and it bastardizes it in the self pleasure john 10:10 10, 10 says it this way it says the thief's purpose is to steal kill and destroy my purpose is to give them a rich satisfying life see what satan has done with porn is he's given us a counterfeit something that that seems good that seems right but only leads to more issues And this used to be something that when I would talk about, I would be like, all right, guys, listen up, but it's not that anymore. It's a lot, it's most guys, but I think the last number that I saw of your generation was close to 70% of the women too. And what's crazy about this, and I'll tell you, women, this is something that's not great for you, but porn actually affects you worse than guys. You have a much more complex brain than we do. You already knew that. But they're actually finding that the consequences of porn in a woman's brain is worse than the consequences of porn in a man's brain. And here's why porn is so addictive. I want to kind of explain this to you. It's called a supernormal stimulus. And here's why. There's endless novelty. If you started watching porn right now, you could watch for the rest of your life and not run out of videos, not run out of porn stars. And see, the problem with that is the moment that you're done, you have somebody else to look at you can go from one person to the next. And also it's a violation of expectations. You're like, why is that a good thing? You don't know what they're gonna look like. You don't know what's gonna happen. Just the idea of searching and seeking. Here's what's crazy. When you're just searching and seeking, you get a dopamine rush. And on top of that, you're in anticipation, the shock and surprise, and even anxiety is there. Here's what's so dangerous about porn. You literally have the ability to control your dopamine levels through the click of a mouse. So the moment that your dopamine goes down, you just click on the next video. The moment it goes down, you click on a next video. And porn doesn't have limits like other drugs do. Like if you're addicted to food, you can only eat so much. If you're addicted to meth or something else, you can only take so much or you're overdose. Porn is limitless. And on top of it, no one knows that you're doing it. And so it's so easy to do. And And what I hear so many times is this, is that, well, how how do I know that I'm I'm addicted to porn? I need you to understand this. Porn is not like other things. The addiction is actually like a spectrum. Here's what I mean by that. No matter how much you watch it, it's affecting you. It's affecting you. And what it does, it actually activates the same nerve cells as meth, cocaine, and heroin, but it also activates the other side of the brain that's all about reproduction. So it becomes the most addictive drug that you can have. And here's what's interesting. For people that say, oh, I don't watch it that much. The protein in your brain that puts, basically makes something a habit in your brain. It's called Delta Fos B. And it it works in your brain. When you watch porn, it stays active in your brain, creating that habit pathway for eight weeks. So let's say you watch porn every eight weeks, which is about six or seven times a year. You would have spent your entire year with Delta Phos the protein in there, literally creating a habit in your brain. And I want you to understand that because I want you to understand there's no amount of porn that is okay. And what they're finding out now more and more that the symptoms of porn are way worse than what people thought before. In fact, here's here's why they know they're serious symptoms is because the moment people stop using porn, they go away. Of course, there's ED in men and then desensitivity in women. There's uh, what's called anorgasmia, the inability to have an orgasm, brain fog, and concentration problems. Here's why. When, you're, when your brain is so stimulated by porn, when it actually gets away from it, it's tired, it doesn't know what to do, and you're not able to think. There's lack of motivation, there's social anxiety, depression, emotional numbness, declining interest in real partners, and escalation to porn that doesn't even match original taste or sexual orientation. Now, please hear me on this. Am, I'm not saying that homosexuality is caused by porn. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is porn is so powerful, it can actually lead you down a path to watch a different orientation. See, I, I, I need you to understand this. And to the point, here's what porn actually does. Because so much dopamine floods your brain when you watch porn, the other things in your life that give you dopamine surges like friends, family, doing things with other people don't matter anymore. In fact, when you are truly, truly addicted to porn, you don't have the ability to even have friendships. I need you to understand that. Like that, that's how addictive it is. That's how much it messes with our brain. And with men, it shows uh, when men start watching porn, they have decreased empathy for rape victims because, well, 88% of porn has violence towards women. Uh, men become increasingly aggressive. They believe that a, man, a woman, if she dresses a certain way, she deserves it. They have less interest in wives or girlfriends because, and hear me on this, girlfriends and future wives in here, you will never be good enough to be porn. You'll never be pretty enough to be porn because you can never be more than one person. And he has that in porn. And the more likely to coerce partners into unwanted sex acts. Women's thinking, less interest in partner, desensitized to sex, no feeling during the act. Now here's where it gets very different. Women uh, who watch porn are 300% more likely to cheat on their spouse. And their chance of divorce goes way up. I don't know if you guys know this, but two thirds of divorces right now list porn addiction as one of the reasons the divorce happened. On top of that, porn has a direct link to sex trafficking. It has a direct link to so many of the most awful parts of our society I mean, if you guys have, have paid attention to what was happening with Pornhub lately, they, um, they basically allowed anyone to upload videos. They said they were certified, but there wasn't. They're just uploading videos. And there was many, many videos of rape, um, of child molestation, all these things. In fact, people were finding missing people on Pornhub. And then they would ask them to take down the video and Pornhub wouldn't take down the video. And it took a huge lawsuit for por- for Pornhub to take it down. They end up taking out o- over half of their library of porn that was not that was basically made by people that just put it in there. People were using it as a way to get revenge, all those things. And so the idea that, oh, what I'm watching, the person wants to do it. There's no way of knowing that. There's no way of knowing that. And, and truthfully, do we truly believe that that's what those people want to do? Do you truly believe that that's where that girl wants to be in that moment. If you are dealing with porn, which is, let me just say it this way, everyone's dealing with porn in some way, and if you don't, if you want to give it up or you want to stop it, you have to know the why, and so I've got some websites, if you could just throw up the the websites that I put up there. If you're sitting up here, you're going, how like I hear you, but I just don't think it's that bad. There's a couple websites up there, fightthenewdrug.org. The reason I throw that one up there is a non-Christian website and it's just information. Brainheartworld.org is their documentary they came out with that talks about it. And then if you are somebody that really likes nerdy stuff, um, yourbrainonporn.com. It's literally a guy that has all the charts, all the graphs, all the research done um, and explains exactly what's happening to your brain when you watch porn. And here's why I say that. I don't know about you guys, but I need to know why I should quit something. And the more I know about it, the more it helps me. At the same time, okay, there's help. And the first one there, I know it always, it was like, really? triplexchurch.com, it's a safe site, I promise. They started, they actually started about 25 years ago. And what they were doing is they were going to porn conventions and trying to help get women out of the porn industry. And to help them find safe, safe ways out. But they, what they do on there is they got a lot of information. They also have a lot of accountability software, and they actually have porn addiction classes that you can take online with other people. Um, CovenantEyes.com, AntroBlix, Church, and Join Fortify are all things that help you block stuff. And you're like, how? Come on, I don't need to block it. Yeah, you do. It's too easy to get to. And I know for so many guys that try to give up porn, it it always starts the same way. They're on Instagram, they're on Snapchat, they're on something. um, And it's just a picture of just a girl in this and a girl in that. And they start watching that and that all of a sudden piques their interest, which quickly moves to this, which moves back to the porn that they've been trying to give up. The more barriers you put in the way, the more likely you are to stay away from it. And on top of it, guys, we need other men in our lives. Girls, you need other girls in your life that you can be honest with and say, I need your help staying away from this. I've heard this before. I'm, I'm saving myself for marriage, but the way I'm going to save myself is I'm just gonna watch porn. That way I don't have to have sex with my girlfriend. Um, it's the safe, you know, it's safe sex, everything's okay. Uh, and I'll tell you a story that about a year ago, we, we had a, a good friend who got married to a guy who was a virgin saving himself for marriage. What she didn't know is he had a porn addiction and they got married and because his porn addiction was so, was so bad, he was unable to, um, to complete through penetration. He was unable to have sex and actually have an orgasm because his addiction was so much. That's how much it messes with your brain. And, I, and I'm not trying to give any sort of guilt or shame or anything like that. Please hear me on that. I need you to understand we're all in the same boat here. We're all surrounded by a lot of this stuff. But I want us to understand we've got to take steps to deal with it. See, the, the most toxic thing about porn, the most toxic thing about having sex as a God is it makes us selfish. And the worst thing we can go into in marriage is incredibly Selfish. And here's my my last point. When sex is my God, I only care about serving myself. And so I've asked the question so many times. I've asked, you know, how many of your parents actually talked to you, like, at the sex talk? And not many of you did. And if they did, it was way too late. You're like, I already know that. We can move on. Well, my parents, they actually, they started very early. um, Very early, and I was like, that's disgusting. My dad's like, you're going to like it one day. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And what's crazy now is I just had my first conversation this past year with my son, who's seven. You're like, seven? Well, the average age you see porn for the first time is eight. And a kid's response to porn is shame, guilt, but also wondering what it is. So they tend to keep it secret and look at it continually. So I had to have the first conversation of, hey, if you see these things, don't look at it. I'm saying that for one, to help you understand, but also you're going to be parents one day. And so one of the talks that my guess is if your, your dad never or mom never had the sex talk with you, they definitely never had this talk. And it's probably the most awkward conversation to have and something that I haven't even talked about um, from stage before. And uh, it was when my dad wanted to have this talk with me, we were actually on vacation and we went onto the beach and it was totally dark, so... There we go. And we had to talk about, and you're, you're like, he's going to say this. We had to talk about masturbation. And I don't know why that's so awkward to talk about. Like, we're, we're literally, I was just talking about sex and all kinds of stuff. And like, masturbation is just one of those things. And here's why I'm talking about it. I get the question every time we have this talk. I get the question. It's, it comes up all the time and so many of you never had the conversation so you don't know any like how, how should we look at this and you've heard some pastors say hey that's that's awful i can't believe you do that then i've heard other pastors say well that's god's way of just helping you out my friend ryan actually had a book that his um his jehovah witness grandmother gave him that said jesus and your changing body and the third chapter was when you touch yourself jesus cries So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you questions to ask yourself instead of telling you, because this is what my dad told me. He, he, he didn't say, hey, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to, but here's what I want you to understand. I don't want it. and he literally said these words. He goes, I don't want it to become your God. So is masturbation something you go to when you feel down? Is it something, is it your go-to when you're bored? Is it your go-to when you're anxious? Is your go-to when things go bad? Has it become a necessity? Has it been something that you spend the day looking forward to? And here's why I wanna say that. If you're addicted to masturbation before marriage, you'll be addicted to masturbation in marriage. There's this thought that all of a sudden when you have, everybody's like, oh, when I get married, everything's gonna be perfect. No, then you realize that having sex requires you to actually have a relationship with someone, which is harder than masturbation. And I've had countless guys and countless conversations with guys about the fact that they no longer have sex because they're like, I just don't want to deal with it. I'll just take care of it myself. And one of the bigger issues with that is I even have guys that have, because of their past, because they've gotten into porn, they don't have the ability to be, to be truly aroused with their wife and so they go back to the highlight reel of what they have thought of before and what's happened before. And so the reason, the reason I say this is because many times in marriage, and, and I've seen this happen so many times, because we're so used to sex being a selfish thing, even when we have sex, we're selfish. Because we're not even thinking about the person in front of us. And there's many guys I know that will think about the person they've been with before while they're having sex with their wife. Basically, they're just using their wife to masturbate. And I know that sounds like really straightforward and that's why I have the lights on. I can't see any of your faces. But I I want you to understand this idea of sex. I want you to understand how powerful it is. I want you to understand that when we just go after it, it just leads to things that go the wrong way. And here's the other side. When we use sex as our God, that means we take God out of our life. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says it this way. says Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And some of the the weddings that I've done, we've used this verse, and we've used it along with something called a unity cross. Um, you've probably seen unity sand and unity candle. Unity cross is the newest one. And basically what it is, it's a cross and it's got three cords on it. And It's got one cord that represents the the husband. It's got one cord that represents the wife and it's got one cord that represents God. And the idea is that you are braiding them together because that's the way you do marriage. If your relationship becomes about sex, if your life becomes just about sex and sex becomes your God, that means that God isn't. It means that your marriage will not last. It means the one part of the strand of the cord that actually has the power to save your marriage, to keep it together and to turn it into something amazing, isn't there. See, God totally changes what's possible in marriage because he created it. So he's the one that has to be the center of it. And anytime we take take anything else and we put it at the center of that relationship, it always falls apart. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you that um, we have the opportunity to talk about tough stuff. God, I pray right now for anyone that is feeling guilt or shame. God, I pray that you would remove that from their heart right now. God, I don't don't want anyone to feel that. I, I do hope there is a conviction and a knowing that there's a better way. And God, I pray for those that are are just in the wrong place right now. God, I pray that they ask the hard questions. pray that they be honest with each other. pray that they take steps forward. God, I pray for those that are stuck in a cycle of just bad relationships. God, I pray they reevaluate the way that they date. God, I thank you that you've given us a plan for this. God, I thank you that you are the one that's in the middle of our marriages, helping them work. God, we thank you for that, and in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.